Mission Mobilization Chats with Ryan Shaw, Multiplying Mission Mobilization Movements. This podcast is powered by Global Mission Mobilization Initiative. Subscribe, watch, and listen on YouTube today. Find more exciting resources, teachings, and tools for mission mobilization on globalmmi.net. All right, we are excited about our fifth episode here of the Mission Mobilization Chats podcast, where we're looking at cutting-edge content related to mission mobilization in our denominations, in our church networks, in our organizations, in our local ministries. So in session number four, our episode number four, we consider the end goal of the Great Commission. And so in our mission mobilization, we need to have a, a clear picture, right, of what the global church is shooting for. So what is the Great Commission? Uh, what is our finish line? That's what we looked at in the last episode. Where is the Holy Spirit taking things related to the Great Commission? If you remember, we spent a good amount of time looking at Matthew chapter 24, uh, verse 14, and several other core accompanying scriptures to get a handle on where God is taking the global church as we engage with his heart in mission to the unreached. So in this episode today, we want to consider the Holy Spirit's strategy that is propelling the global church forward toward this end goal of the fulfillment of the Great Commission. So what plan does the Holy Spirit have on his heart to see this fulfillment of the Great Commission actually realized? Is mission just kind of random activity where we hope for the best? Or are there discernible points of strategy that the Holy Spirit intends us uh, to walk in? So we need to grasp the Holy Spirit's big picture strategy in order to effectively align with it. So that means that a core piece of our mission mobilization, mission mobilization then is calling the people of God to grasp and understand the points of his big picture strategy. So what's tended to happen in mission is that we've made the Great Commission so complex so that it almost becomes impossible to accomplish, even as we think about it kind of in our minds. Now, it is true that it is a very difficult task, and the, great, and the global church deliberately enters because it's connecting with areas of the world that are steeped in spiritual darkness and have been for many centuries. So I like to say that we're, we're entering the hornet's nest. We're entering the lion's den when we're going to unreached people groups. So it is difficult, but the task itself is not meant to be complex. The strategy to accomplish it is actually one that is quite straightforward in Scripture. So the body of Christ has tended to implement our own methods. Sometimes we're guilty of substituting the biblical plan with our own plans, believing these are somehow superior to the Lord's plans. But we know this is sheer folly. And so what the Lord is inviting us to do is really return to the clear-cut strategy of the Holy Spirit revealed in Scripture. So his work, done in his way, will bring about his intended results. So we want to highlight in this episode four primary points to the Spirit's strategy in fulfilling the Great Commission. So these four points act as a kind of a grid. So they enable the global church to cooperate with the Lord related to each one of these four areas we're going to highlight so that we can grow in them in growing dimensions. We already are walking in them a little bit, 
but there is so much to grow in each one of these four points of strategy uh, that the Holy Spirit wants to highlight. So we're gonna only be able to touch on them briefly because of time. So in future episodes, hopefully, we're, we're gonna break these points, these four strategic points of the Spirit in the fulfillment of the Great Commission. In future episodes, we're gonna break these down, providing lots of practical ways, lots of ideas for progressing in each of them. So then, what's point number one? What is the starting point of the Holy Spirit's strategy in fulfilling the Great Commission? So the starting point is the local church. It's millions, how many local churches there are around the world, we don't know. It's at least thousands, maybe even millions of local ministries that are emphasizing what we call abandoned devotion to Jesus. That's the high standard of Jesus's terms of discipleship that he lays out in the Gospels, calling the people of those local ministries to go wholehearted, all out, to love God with all their heart, mind, soul, and strength. So this is the first point that a local ministry is doing. Then they're also implementing Great Commission vision, not just as a one-off conference, maybe once every two years, or a one guest speaker that kind of pops in for a weekend thing. Now we're talking about a little, little more than that. So when we say integrate and implement Great Commission vision, it's within the life of the ministry. So it's programmatic uh, implementation so that the whole church, every member throughout a given year, throughout a given two years, they are becoming oriented in the Great Commission. It's a part of the local church's life. It's not something just external. It's not something just periodic. It's something that's interwoven into the life of the church. And as they're doing this, implementing these Great Commission tools and Great Commission vision, then they're activating these members in their roles in the Great Commission. So there's many roles in the Great Commission. Not all uh, will go as a message bearer, as a missionary. Okay? We know that, but there's many other roles. And so we need the whole church, every member, every disciple, finding, identifying their role, and then be, becoming activated in that role, playing their part. So every local ministry doing these things. Then that local ministry also executing and uh, developing a sending strategy to the unreached themselves. So yes, they partner maybe with mission organizations, but we also believe that the local church should be sending and scattering their own people, and we're gonna be looking at that a little bit in a moment. So this is the starting point of the Holy Spirit's strategy. It's not, let's get out among the unreached peoples and just evangelize as many as we can. Yes, that is a piece, but it's not the start. The start is on the home front with local ministries that are on fire for Jesus, and out of, out of that radical devotion for Jesus, people are being uh, aligned with Jesus' passion for all the peoples of the world. This is, we looked at last week in Matthew 24, 14, the big picture of where the Great Commission is going. The local church has to become engaged in that. And we're talking about thousands and millions around the earth in every different country around the earth, every nation, seeing churches like this raised up. So this is why we mobilize. In mission mobilization, we want to enable every local ministry to integrate the Holy Spirit's passion for the fulfillment of the Great Commission into the very life, the very fabric 
of their mission, of their ministry fellowship, of their local church. So again, just to reiterate, often we have mission kind of over on the side. It's a department. It's a committee. Okay, and I understand that. But what I think the Lord intends and wants to kind of bring that into is making it more of the centerpiece of the life of that community of believers. Again, not that everybody becomes a message bearer. That's not the goal. But the goal is every member becoming educated, becoming inspired, becoming activated in their particular role, even if they never ever leave that home city or that home church where they are from. This is mission mobilization. Now this kind of work requires time in the lives of our local ministries. This requires implementing tools that are needed to help every disciple in that ministry become mobilized and equipped with a vision for the Great Commission and then their role uh, in that vision. Now this happens over a period of time, not, not even weeks, I would say it happens over years. Okay, it does not happen easily or quickly, but if we as mobilizers can influence and help enable pastors and their leadership teams to look upon their local church in a slightly different way, we can start to see this incrementally uh, increasing in the life of that particular church. Now in GMMI circles, we call these kinds of ministries, we call them Great Commission Ministries. Now if you want to find out more details of how to see these local ministries become Great Commission Ministries, I encourage you to check out the GMMI uh, website, globalmmi.net, as well as a handbook that has been put together for pastors, for leadership teams, a curriculum that we call a handbook for Great Commission Ministries that has all the teachings, all these tools, the, the implementable things that local churches need uh, to walk this out, to become one of these Great Commission Ministries. Okay, So this is the first so important point of the Holy Spirit strategy. How can multitudes be raised up to reach unreached people groups unless the home church is doing much better than we're doing currently at becoming an incubator for Great Commission vision? That's the vision of the Holy Spirit. Now, I am of the opinion that if the global church is functioning correctly, if we're walking in line with the Holy Spirit, then about 20% of an individual local church, 20% uh, of the membership of an individual local church will be moving outward as those who are deliberately bearing the message of Christ. Did you hear that? If we're functioning correctly, in line with the Holy Spirit, with His strategy, this first strategy point, to raise up local churches who are on fire for Jesus in their discipleship, who are producing Great Commission vision, who are raising up disciples, finding their roles in the Great Commission, who are developing sending strategies to the unreached from their local community, if we will align with this strategy of the Spirit, then about 20% of every local church should be uh, sent out to bear the message of Jesus Christ. Now, let's break this down a little bit, this 20%. About 15% of these will go to what we call near culture unreached people groups that are around them. They won't necessarily cross borders. They're going to go to those that are near to them. So if you're in America right now, then it could be that you could reach out to Arab Muslims that are coming into America. You don't have to leave your city necessarily to reach out to them. 
but they are a different culture than you are. They're a different religion than you are. They're also an unreached people group that has come to America that you can be reaching out to. This is an example of reaching out to near culture unreached people groups. Okay, you're not necessarily crossing oceans to do this. Now that's about 15%, so that's the majority of the 20%. Will not go long distances. Okay, we've got it in our mind that a missionary crosses oceans and goes so far. That is true, but that's not the only way. Okay, so 15%, the vast majority of these 20% who will be raised up, sent out to bear the message of Christ, they will go to these near culture unreached people groups. That means that the remaining 5% now will go to distant culture unreached peoples. Now these will cross borders, these will cross oceans, but it's a smaller number, it's 5%, not 15%. Okay? So let's get it out of our mind that when we're talking about scattering and sending missionaries from our churches, we're talking mainly about going long distances to cultures totally different than my culture. No, the Lord intends for you, the vast majority of people, to cross cultures, but still, still be in an unreached culture, not a reached culture, but still be in an unreached culture, where they know the language, where they know the general customs, where they can relate with people. Okay? Now, this principle of 20% of an individual church being sent out as message bearers, okay, this is not a principle that we hear about very often today. It's actually a principle that, that surprises us. And one of the reasons why I think it surprises us is because we've tended to lower our vision instead of raising our sights. We've kind of brought our vision down to the, kind of the lowest common denominator. Well, if we, can, if we can send out one worker, we're doing good as the global church. And we say, praise the Lord for that one worker that goes from each church. That's wonderful. That's awesome. But it's only the beginning. That's the point. The Holy Spirit wants to raise up these incubators, local churches that are incubators of mission vision so that maybe about 20% of members in that local church can be scattered. 15% near, 5% going to distant cultures. So that's point number one of, our strat of the Holy Spirit's strategy. So what's the second point? The second point of the Spirit strategy then is a widespread global scattering of hundreds of thousands of message bearers, message bearer teams that are coming out of these local churches that were part of point number one. So point number one is raising up local churches by the thousands, by the millions, as Great Commission ministries, where the message of the Great Commission becomes centralized in the life of that fellowship. What will that produce over two years, five years, 10 years, 20 years, 30 years? What do you think will happen? Well, what will happen is a widespread number, we hope and we pray, more message bearers to be raised up and then scattering among the unreached. 15% locally, or not locally, but near culture, and then 5% to the distant cultures. Now, these are being scattered out of our local churches, and out of such spiritually vital local churches, we will see these multitudes that will be raised up. Right now, as I mentioned, what happens is a few, what I would call a, uh, just a, a kind of a very beginning point of numbers that are starting to be sent out. But the Lord has a whole different realm that he's waiting and he's longing and he's wanting to build uh, into the global church. 
And when I talk about this, we're talking about from every nation. So don't think, well, my nation can't do this because of X, Y, and Z. If you continue to watch these episodes, we're going to get into some of those, uh, overcoming some of those barriers that you might think are in the way, but actually there's a lot of ways that the Lord wants to overcome many of those obstacles, no matter what country uh, you might come from. Now, this scattering of the people of God, this second point on the Holy Spirit strategy, this is for the purpose of bringing in a great global harvest. And this idea is a consistent theme all the way throughout Scripture. So the church of Christ is meant to be a people that are consistently moving outward, never static, never immobile, never inward-looking, never hunkered down in our four walls, just kind of us four and no more kind of a thing. We're always meant to be moving outward. So mission mobilizers then and mission mobilization ministry helps the church get unstuck from some of these traditional outlooks. So mission mobilization helps local churches engage in this Holy Spirit scattering plan that we cooperate with the, the Holy Spirit in this scattering instead of resisting it. Right now, there's a lot of resistance to these churches becoming these incubators that are prioritizing even the Great Commission. There's a resistance to this widespread scattering of the global body of Christ. We have this idea that mission is just kind of for a few professionals. We call them missionaries. And the biblical idea is something very, very foreign to that. The biblical idea is the whole body of Christ being raised up in their assigned roles, functioning according to their assigned purpose. Now let's look at a bit of a case study here in Acts chapter 8 to get this idea of scattering into our hearts. So in Acts chapter 8, the church had been in existence since Acts chapter 2, right? That's when Pentecost came, okay? And the church was birthed, so to speak, in Acts chapter 2. Right? Then, between Acts chapter 2 and Acts chapter 7, most scholars believe that there is a, a few-year gap, actually, between Acts chapter 2 and Acts chapter 7. Okay? Now, at the end of Acts chapter 7 is the great persecution that erupts, with Stephen being martyred. Right? So several years now have taken place between the birth of the church at Pentecost, 3,000-plus people coming into the body of Christ, right? Now several years have gone by, and this persecution in Acts chapter 8 erupts. So what was taking place in the midst of this situation? Well, in Acts chapter 8, the church was not looking outward any longer. The Holy Spirit had spoken in Acts chapter 1, and Jesus had been very clear in Acts chapter 1, I'm coming with the power of my Spirit at Pentecost to make witnesses out of you where? In J Jerusalem, in Judea and Samaria, and to the outermost parts of the earth. Well, the church, after several years of existence in the power of the Holy Spirit at Pentecost, they weren't doing real well with this thus far. So they hadn't gotten out of Jerusalem. And the Lord saw that. And so what the Lord did, they well, before we get to the, what the Lord did, they had become very comfortable. Okay, They had their homes. They had their businesses. They had their families. Their families were in schools. They had all this stuff set up. Said, well, you know, it's not really convenient right now that we move out according to that commission that Jesus had given us. So we're just going to kind of hunker down. We're enjoying the life, this Pentecost power, this fire of God is pretty awesome. You know, we're just going to hang out in this. Okay, but the Lord had something else in mind. So he himself 
orchestrated this persecution that ended up scattering, and the Lord actually, or Acts chapter 8, uses that terminology. The believers, the disciples, were scattered out from Jerusalem, moved out from their convenience, from their comfort, from all that they had known in order that the gospel would go out farther and wider. Now, it's very interesting that in the, uh, the context of this, you don't find these disciples upset. This is shocking to me. I've studied this out from many, many angles and looked for it. It's not there. You cannot go out with the gospel uh, proclaiming it with vision and proclaiming it with passion. You cannot do that if you're bitter and upset and defeated and angry that the Lord has moved you out from your comfortable spot. You can't do that. So they had to have a free spirit. They had to have a joy in them. So this persecution happened. It scatters them out to the wider places. And what does verse 1 say? It says all the believers were scattered. All. Okay. Except, and it does make this point in verse 1, except the apostles. So what does this tell us? The apostles actually stayed back in Jerusalem. It was the common everyday, normal folk, normal disciples. They weren't the top leaders in the churches, no. But they were the ones scattered out, and they were the ones that did the work of the gospel going forth. How do we know this? Well, it says in verse uh, 4. Verse 4 tells us, Therefore, those that were scattered, this is Acts chapter 8, those who were scattered went everywhere preaching the word. Again, how can they preach the word if they're bitter because they had to leave their convenience and comfort of their home? Maybe their home got burned. We don't know the details of the persecution, but we know it was severe and it pushed them out. So what are we saying through this? The Lord wants voluntary willingness to be scattered to locations and places where unreached peoples live. Again, that could be nearby your home. I was in Pakistan recently, and I was talking to a group of leaders in, uh, in Lahore, in one of the main cities of Pakistan. Okay, not that they would go to another country as message bearers. No, they can go to a suburb of their own city and cross cultures, go to different cultures, but they're near cultures, so they still speak the same language. They still have the same customs, but they're Muslim peoples in a different culture. They're going to unreached peoples, and they're planting churches. This is what the Lord is looking for in our generation, a willingness to be scattered by large numbers, not necessarily as professional missionaries, but just the normal, everyday disciples that go out with the gospel. Now, these have a heart that are growing in love for Jesus. They might not be the top leaders in the churches, but they do have some qualifications, let's say. They have a heart that's growing in love for Jesus. They've experienced Jesus' life-changing power in their lives. They've internalized the life of true discipleship. And then they affirm with Paul the love of Christ is compelling me to go to these unreached peoples, to be scattered from my local church, go to a new place, take my family, get a job, use my education to have a career in that new place that is an unreached place. Now, what this will do, if we can get hold of this strategy from the Holy Spirit, is this will actually enable a large number of message bearers to go out. Right now, we have a few, and when I say a few, it's a large number, but not a large number in percentage 
to the whole global church. In terms of the number of churches, denominations, organizations that are out there, the number of workers is still a very, very small number. But if we can get a hold of this strategy of the Spirit, starting with the local church, becoming this incubator for mission, and then seeing the scattering of, of maybe 20% of members from those local churches moving outward into mission, 15% in the near culture, 5% in the distant culture. If we can see these two points of the Holy Spirit strategy, we will see large numbers, I believe. I'm convinced from the scripture, I'm convinced from talking to leaders all over the world, that if we can change our paradigms in some of these ways that we're talking about, we can see a larger number of message bearers going out and touching unreached people groups. Now, for the sake of time, I'm recognizing that my time is a little bit short here. So I've gotten to two of the strategy points, and we're gonna wait till the next episode to highlight the second two, all right? So I think we've laid some good groundwork here in this episode for these first two strategic points of the Holy Spirit in order that he is using in order to progress the body of Christ towards the literal fulfillment of the Great Commission. So these are big picture strategies that we need to get into our hearts, and then we need to apply these ideas into our individual local ministries, into our local churches, into our campus fellowships, into our Bible schools, into our seminaries even. There's ways that we can integrate all that we've discussed here and that we'll, what we'll discuss in the next two strategic points as well. Amen? So let me go ahead and close us uh, in prayer. So Father, we thank you for these first two strategic points that the Holy Spirit is, is emphasizing, Lord. Father, you desire for your church to partner with your heart, Lord, in this endeavor called fulfilling the Great Commission. Lord, you're waiting and you're you're, you're inviting and you're beckoning and you're wooing. Lord, your church is every individual local ministry, Lord, to become one of these great commission ministries, emphasizing the great commission in the life of their fellowship. Every disciple, every member of that church, internalizing it, understanding it, and then finding their role, Lord, in it. And then many of these, Lord, we know will be message bearers. That is their role. Lord, they're the ones that are scattered. Lord, we pray, Father, for multitudes, Lord, of more workers. We join even with your prayer. Lord, you told us in Matthew chapter 9, 30, uh, verse 37, pray the Lord of the harvest to send out, to thrust out laborers into his harvest. Lord, that's what this is all about. And, and it begins with you. Holy Spirit, it's your idea, it's your plan, it's your strategy. It's not man's idea. It's not man's way of doing things. Lord, but this is how you have set up your kingdom. And so we join with that and we thank you for it. Lord, I ask that you would enable, Lord, us, Lord, mission mobilizers, Father, to call your church to these two strategic points. Lord, to highlight them as we work with different churches and different denominations and different networks. Lord, that we would be mobilizing your church with these two strategic points in mind. We thank you for it, Lord. We bless your name. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. We pray that you've been blessed by this episode. We look forward to uh, episode number six in the next one. God bless you. 
To listen to more Mission Mobilization chats, subscribe on YouTube or go to globalmmi.net.